<laughs> Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast at Ground Zero, uh, your home of the apocalypse for episode 53, Power Sources in the Apocalypse. I am Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace, and he is Adam Bomb Glancy, your host for your time here today in the Wastelands. We're going to talk about power. 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 And power. Not- Ultimate power. Yes, power flows from a barrel of a gun, said Chairman Mao, but you can't run a fucking car on it, can you? Nope, nope. Uh, nope. Like I said, I, I was thinking about the title, Mike. I was just going to put power, and I'm like, well, people could interpret that wrong. So I said, eh, let me put power sources to make it seem a little clearer. You know? power, power sources sounds like a chapter out of Gamma World, out of the equipment, uh, <laughs> the equipment manual on Gamma World. Uh, you know, that's probably why it sounded like that. Because wasn't there, wasn't there a, a, like a Mr. Fusion uh, generator in Gamma World? Like there was this, uh, there was a thing for like a, uh, I somehow remember one of the, one of the equipments from, you know, one of the equipment kits was either like a, uh, a battery recharger or a, you know, oh, yeah, there, there, yeah, there's like a power cell uh, recharger that's like run off a of solar or something. Yeah. Yeah, for your fusion, no, not for your fusion cells. I think they made that very clear. But your um, your uh, your your solar batteries and your chemical batteries. Which, yeah. speaking of power, power uh, and power centers, perhaps uh, I can take a moment here to uh, violate the terms of my my pledge to my Kickstarter backers and say, uh, while I am not allowed to play Fallout Four until I get my Kickstarter done, or read about Fallout Four or watch Fallout 4 videos. Uh, I didn't pledge that I couldn't listen to you, Jared, talk about Fallout 4 since you're the one of the, you're the one of the two of us who's playing the game. And since it involves power cores for your armor, yes, uh, it, I, it, was, yeah. I was wondering if I could, uh, we could pick your brains uh, and also we get some Fallout 4, plus we can also stay on topic if we talk about the power sources in Fallout 4. That's true. Yeah, we'll talk about. Yeah, so we can talk about that because I don't really have any new apocalyptic news. I haven't really caught anything. I've just been so busy playing Fallout in my free time. But 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 something I did come across, which I thought was kind of amusing, was um, back when I like was in high school, and I used to like <coughs> try my penmanship at you know, uh, you know, I consider myself a little bit of a you know a poet, you know, so. And in a writer, but you know, apparently it really was successful for me. Um, Clearly, but, but yeah, but I had a couple little, just a couple of two sentence, a couple of two sentence snippets I came across that sounded like they could have been like on the back cover or the or the or part of the prologue to any one of these, you know, mass produced men's adventure post apocalyptic novels. Uh, oh, you you have got some balls of steel to read this shit out on the internet, sir. I oh, oh, I okay. I salute you, you. This is hardcore. Let's hear oh, it. Uh, I don't care. Because, again, it's apocalyptic, you know, because that's, that's how it was back then. Let's see. Um, as we embark upon our perilous trek into no man's land, I reflect on why we take this journey into the Deadlands, scarred by the by the devastating uh, – devasta- dev- uh, I reflect on why we take this journey – all right. <clears throat> as we embark on our perilous trek into the, uh, to the no man's land, I reflect on why – I take this journey into the Deadlands, scarred by the destructive weapons of the ancients. All right. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, it's I, it sure dead to any one of those novels back in the I 80s. am not going to match your bravery by reading out loud from the 
Twilight 2000 fanfic that I wrote back in the 80s disguised as part of my creative writing class I took in college. I only took the creative writing class so that I would have deadlines to produce this stuff. And it was just, I just wrote a, just, I just wrote a pile of, of Twilight 2000 fanfic where it was all just completely ripped off from the Twilight 2000 uh, uh, scenario, uh, Red Star, Lone Star. You know, we were in Texas, Texas. and the Russians have invaded Texas. Oh, I have a, I have another one. Oh, okay. Uh, this, 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 this one's worse. Dark, worse. dark, evil clouds ominously creeping over the horizon, giving the signs of an impending doom greeted me upon my journeys. Ignoring the omens of ill, I continued on my trek through the wastelands. <laughs> you, are, you are clearly going for that uh, hero's journey thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It, it, this is definitely uh, definitely falling under hero's journey. That's, that's what it smells like to me. Oh, did you have a Did you have a Morse? Were you riding a Morse at the time? Uh, I might have been. <laughs> was it a moose or was it a Morse? It was, it was a Morse. Okay. Okay. And he, and he also had a, a bear friend as well. So I not... remember. I remember the bre- the telepathic bear who turns up, and I'm like. It's fucking Gamma World! Holy fucking shit! Could these books be any more Gamma World? Oh, they they totally were. Just like how Fallout Four, the more I play it, it's 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 so much. And we've talked about this before. It's so a less Wahoo Gamma Worlds. You know, like I mean, I never played Gamma World very Wahoo, but it's definitely a Gamma World environment. Yeah. Not, not very Wahoo, but not oh, but not but. Very little in the way of mutations, unless you want, unless you maybe call perks mutations, you know, because perks could kind of be mutations to kind of. I remember a couple of them in Fallout Three that were, where you absolutely got a mutation. Uh, oh yeah, like uh, you know, like the vampirism or you know, uh, cannibalism. You get energy, you know, get your life back from eating other corpses. Or, and, or, or my, there's one where uh, you got your health back from radiation. Yeah. Yep. Was the one where Moira would send you off on this 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 mission to get irradiated, and you'd get this tiny little mutation. I don't know that I ever used it because I never got my reds up into the five hundreds or whatever it, it took to fucking activate that stupid healing mutation. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So it's definitely it's so Gamma World. The more, the more, the more. Every time I play it, and like I said, I'm enjoying this a lot more than Vegas. I don't, I don't know why. It's because you know what I think a, a different a different company produced uh, New Vegas as opposed yes. to Bethesda. Yes. So um, it just it has that same well, old, that same old feel which, which I enjoy, I'm enjoying and like I said oh, lots of power there's there's a fair amount of power armor and then also you get a lot of uh, there's uh, raiders have like cannibalized you know because basically power armor is an exoskeleton and then you put your pieces of armor on it. So you could have like you know a breastplate from a from a T forty five, a helmet from a T fifty one, you know. So there's like different parts of the armor, and they all take damage, and you got to repair them after a while, you know. Okay, cool. I mean, I sort of picked that up from the the mod that, that armor could be modded the same way that weapons could be modded. Yeah, and you could put it together. So like raiders have created their own power armor, like modified power armor, and they all run on those little fusion cores. You know, so when you know if you don't have fusion core power armor ain't running. You know? Well, that's I gotta admit that reminded me of Gamma World very much because all the power armor in Gamma World 
Yeah, I got a suit of armor. Or maybe you find a suit of armor that guys are worshiping somewhere. Oh, you know, as the ancients. Uh, but um, it's not going anywhere until it gets a fusion cores in it. And it's yep. the same thing. And I think, what well, was a fusion battery? And this is the one they're calling it a yeah. fusion core. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, you find fusion cores in buildings because they're running generators and stuff like that. So, do, do you end up cooking yourself if you handle them? Is there a radiation hazard to handle? No. No, because it's like it's like a concealed cell that kind of like locks in, you know. Okay, all right. Because that would be just like extra fuck you is that you're picking up these things and it zaps you with radiation at the same time. So speaking of uh, other power sources, so the armor runs on fusion cores. Yeah. Um, is uh, is fusion core something you can make in the game? Can you mod uh, a fusion core? I've never. I have not seen the ability to make fusion cores. But then again, I don't have. You know, I'm only like 21st level. And I don't have high enough skills to get a lot of the skills on the on the on the perk chart. So yeah, so okay. I don't know. Maybe All science. Right. Maybe science will give it to you. I'm I'm not sure yet. I'm just still working with a lot of low tech shit. You know. Well, other power. Have you set up a settlement yet? Oh yeah, I'm building my settlement. You know, I'm gonna have to like once I finish it, I'm gonna have to like uh, use the the game DVR to do like a walk through the settlement because I have like you know double gates in the front. I have turrets everywhere in the front to deter big big walls. Fences in front of the walls. It's kind of you know. There's like a there's a river with like a little like with a little uh, um, little jetty in the middle or like a little sandbar. I got fences put across there with some turrets behind it because you know what? If they're gonna try to come up my wall, they're gonna hit that fence first. They're gonna run into turrets. You know. There's another entrance in the back that I put another gate on. And I've been building up the walls and uh, fill, you know I'm slowly building the walls around it. You know. All right, all right. Well, clearly you you're big on defense. How are you on self-supporting? If you got any, or is everybody? Oh, I, I, is everybody inside the walls eating their shoe leather? <laughs> oh no no no! I got I got crops, and I basically assigned every one of those fuckers to the uh, to the crops. It's like pick crops, you know. Oh um uh, so you don't have to ask anyone on to ask anyone to send you snacks. No, I do not have if to. I have... Can, if I can just give the survivalists up in, and I don't know they're not actually survivalists, but they're hooked they're, they're, the, they're they're actually idiots. But... They're 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 hooked into the same. Uh, they're hooked into the same networks. Uh, the fact that they're sending out for snacks, I'm like, okay, you're you're embarrassing yourselves, kids. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're really you're really prepared for this, but no, you food. I got I got a windmill running some power to, for a few items. Uh, I have a couple of generators out by the river with some water so, fuel creation systems. So, how do the jennies work? Uh, do you actually have to put a, a, a nuclear core in them? Well, not the small ones I've been using. I haven't gotten into anything. I think maybe some of the bigger ones, possibly. You know? Okay. Uh, but again, the small stuff I'm working on, it just no, it just runs. You know, so but they don't produce, but they don't produce a lot of power. It's like just enough. Like one five power generator will run like two, you know, basic water filtration purifiers. You know, or the windmill will run like uh, a signal beacon and uh, you know, I could put a couple of pylons and have some lights on the outside. You know. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you could hook up to power. You could hook up, you know, lights. You could hook up, uh, you know, uh, different like laser turrets and spotlights and all kinds of crazy crap. You know. Uh, does uh, does that do your do your spotlights and your you know, laser turrets run out of power if you overtax the system during a fight? Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't I, I haven't sent any of those up yet. So, but okay. uh, uh, but you know they could they could be attacked. They could be hacked if you have a terminal. You know. They get below. They get below. I actually had a. Uh, I was out actually out in the river trying to build some defenses. And I had some raiders come at me, so I you know I fucked their shit up. 
So, you know, it's like, you know, get, it's like, this is my town, you know, stay out of barter town, you know, <laughs> do you get to name them? No, no. Oh, that's so bad. Okay. Cause, uh, what humongousville are you, are you playing Lord humongous? Oh, you know, um, uh, what, was what, I what I really should have named my character was Spike. I should have called him Spikes Harvey Rotten and then got the Spike baseball bat, you know, and then because I think later on when you go to bigger summons, you could get new hairdos. I was hoping for like a spiked hairdo so I could be like, yeah, I could be Spikes Harvey Rotten. Spikes Harvey Rotten was, is one of the great uh, post-apocalyptic characters. That should never be underestimated. Yeah. No, he, he is a classic. So, but yeah, it's good. And also, yes, you're right. The, the new the new Meyer lurkers in that area because it's in the northeast. You know, it's not DC, which has you know like the blue crabs. Oh, that These, Chesapeake Bay style crabs. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's more up north, like you know where I lived in Long Island, where it's all horseshoe crabs. So I looked at it one more a lot more closely. I'm like, yep, it's a giant mutated horseshoe crab. It's got the big front of the shell and it's got the little tail part in the back. It's like, yeah, they're those gnat. Horseshoe crabs are nasty anyway, and just real life, just regular horseshoe crabs. Have you seen their blue blood? Oh, real ones? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I've seen stuff on that. So, yeah, yeah they're disgusting. Oh, they're disgusting, and they're disgusting when they're six foot tall mutated horseshoe crabs. Let me point out that I, I am under the impression that uh, these guys are in the game now. That you can now have. There are now cats in Fallout. I have seen a couple like wandering around people's places, but I haven't been able to find one to. Use as a companion. Okay. Everything. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, you know, blah blah dog meat. I, I need if I want to start farming, I need some cats in, in my community to, to cut down on the rat and mice populations before they track some, you know, hanta or or bubonic plague into my fucking uh, community. No, and the um, again, I'm starting to run. Into, I'm starting to run into more super mutants and. Yep, every group of them always has like one suicide suicide bomber. Like I could hear in the distance, I'm like shit. So I immediately crash down and pull up my freaking. I've now modified my sniper rifle to 50 caliber, and I just you know I aim and I use all my action points to go for the legs and shoot his freaking try to cripple his legs so he can't run at me with that freaking mini nuke. <laughs> That's okay. That sounds like a ball of suck. Oh that yeah, really yeah, does. yeah. He's, yeah, and you run. And I said it's a lot like uh, like the Skyrim now. There's like legendary characters or a beefier. And like I said, I've never played Skyrim, but my understanding <laughs> it has a very Skyrim feel to it. You know, more so okay. than. Uh, Is it now? Now Vegas. I, I realize you didn't. You never got into Vegas. Vegas was far more rural, obviously, than uh, than than. Although there's a lot of rural area around DC, um, it didn't. It felt suburban, you know. It didn't feel like um, it didn't feel like New Vegas did, where you're there are these little tiny towns, you know, isolated towns in this big open desert wasteland. Uh, there was desert before the bombs fell, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, this Boston thing um, is it more urban? Is it more like no? Uh, there, there's a lot of urban areas, like a ton of urban areas to run around in, and you get little pockets of forest and rivers and mountains and big bodies of water, you know, like like little lakes and stuff. It's uh, and there's a lot of city space. You know, I haven't even got to the big cities yet, but there's still like there's, there's a lot of city space that you can see in the distance. You know, over, overpasses and big roadways and stuff. So 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 what are the other uh, so what are the other uh, so, no no vehicles that fuel option does not exist. No. In, in New Vegas. 
Oh, sorry, in uh, in no. no, no, no fuel, no cars, still. no cars. Well, from the the trailer, there's definitely going to be. Well, there's from the trailer. I remember three things that looked interesting. One, there were vertebrates flying around. Uh, I, I I haven't run into one yet, and I think there's like a jet pack you could build into your armor. Too. That's right. That's right. So you can go over the top of the uh, of everything. There's uh, vertebrates. There's some sort of airship that shows up, and there's the USS Constitution. Uh, sailing ship, uh, and when you see it in the in the trailer, it looks like it's got rocket engines built into the back of it. So, who fucking knows what that's going to turn into before this is over with? Yeah, I'll find out. Yeah, you, we're all going to find out the hard way. That's exactly. right, sir. All right, so let's uh, let's leave the Fallout wastelands. Let's talk about because again, it's a wasteland, and you know you need power to run things. So. What's going to happen in the apocalypse when we have no power? Now, an, an interesting article I came across a number of years ago. Um, it was an article somebody wrote um, about. Uh, he did some research because he was uh, he worked for the Straight Dope, I believe. So, but this is like a good, this is a good ten years ago. Um, the guy did some research talking to whoever he would let him talk to him, you know, people who work at, you know, nuclear power plants and coal plants and hydroelectric plants. And he tried to find out all the air information he possibly could uh, that they'd let him know about, you know, fail safes and, you know, you know, things when things would have, you know, would shut down from fail safe when things would uh, run out of fuel and this and that. And he did, you know, all the different types of plant, you know, like coal, uh, uh, hydroelectric, uh, natural gas, you know. So it was a pretty interesting. I don't know where the article was, uh, but I, I don't, I don't remember where it was online. But it, um, I found it and downloaded it. But, um, because at the time he had said that you know like you know half of our fuel system, uh, electricity comes from fifty one percent is uh, coal fired plants. Now mind you, this is about a decade ago, so I don't know if that's changed much. Um. But it says, you know, that uh, plants may, st uh, you know, these power plants may start losing power in as little as two to four hours, you know, mm. and they, they could probably, ha they, they usually have theoretically uh, capacity ranging anywhere from eight to about 24 hours of power in their, in their hoppers and stuff like that. So, but they will, they feel that, uh, what do you say? I'm trying to read through this year. You might you might get about twelve to eighteen hours before you lose all your coal plants because they'll trip. You know the automatic shutdowns go. Now again, this is all assuming that they're unmanned. You know, uh, he goes into depth too about you know if these were still manned, if there's still people around, could they re you know um, reconfigure resources where power is going and conserve? And you could potentially go months with still having power out of these generators. Mm -hmm. But the assumption that you have such a widespread you know uh, zombie apocalypse or you know virus plague or something. You're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of power a lot of quickly, um, and also you know within a few hours you could have power grids shutting down as things get overloaded don't have power try to systems try to conserve. Remember you know uh, you know what was it the famous blackouts in the 1970s? You know um, yeah, yeah there's a there's a, a blackout in New York in the 60s uh, and in the gosh. 70s the 70s too back when when the Son of Sam killer was still running around you know yeah yeah. There's there's two big New York blackouts. Um, and one, one little thing tripped tripped the system, 
chain reaction. So you don't have anybody man and power chasing. One shuts down, bring the whole network down in a matter of no time, and you have no power. Yeah. Now, um, the thing is, is that, you know, that, that presumes, like, we're, we're, that's sort of the front end of this idea, that as, um, as you're running out of uh, technological society is winding down because our specialists are dropping dead or abandoning their posts to go home to their families, um, and people stop cooperating in big groups. Um, uh, that's sort of the front end of this. Do you remember the numbers on, like, each one what one would shut down the quickest and which one would shut down? Um, well, I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. It's basically coal power would go out first. And that's like half our, that's half our power system. Okay. It's, it's coal power. You know, it, you're probably it's just really labor intensive to constantly keeping the coal in the furnaces. Yeah. The, the hoppers and getting the fuel put in, you know, uh, like I said, he, you know, it said it could be anywhere. I think he theorizes 12 to 18 hours and all, they could all be down. Uh, nuclear power systems, which are about 20%. Um, he spec again, this is all speculation on his part from his research. So it's not gospel. Um, but it's, he did some research on it. Uh, he said, you're looking at uh, nuclear power. Um, it could last anywhere from a few days to a, to a week or so. Uh, what's that? Oh, wait, is that, uh, nuclear power plants? Yeah, without any operator response, you know, because you, you got to constantly, especially nuclear plants, you got to have somebody constantly um, monitoring, you know. So in about a week, it could shut down. Uh, yeah, because, now that's a that's a week without any monitoring, it shuts down, not it blows up. Well, they well theoretically, unlike Three Mile Island, you know, they have all these safety systems in place which will sh safely shut down these systems. You know, uh, they just drop the rods into the pile. I, what else is there to do? I mean, I maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but. You, if, if I, I presume that's the plan, that these things just drop the rods into the, the control rods in, and that starts shutting down the nuclear reaction. One hopes. Yeah, because they're because they're, they're more stable and they have more control systems in place. So eventually, they have safety things which you know put you know, pull the rods out or put them down. So, uh, but you know if they're if it's uh, because they only need to get refueled like every like two to three years. Okay. So but if you had somebody staying there and maintaining and running it and knew what he was doing, you could have, you could have power for a few years out of, the, out of a couple, at least a couple of years out of that, you know, and yeah. you at least in your area. Um, hydroelectric plants. It was another one, mm -hmm. you know, uh, again, they could say barring, you know, any sudden, sudden equipment uh, failures, you could go days to weeks unattended. You know, if this, if it's unattended without being shut down, it would eventually shut down because, you know, you could have stuff get into the turbines and shut the whole system down, but it, that could go for days or weeks before the safety systems would eventually shut it down for whatever reasons. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, if you have, you know, again, uh, um, natural gas, you know, could last uh, experts ask, uh, I asked uh, pipelines, most regions will maintain pressure for about one to three days without human intervention before you lose your, you know, uh, you know, natural gas, uh, fuel systems. So, I mean, it's, you know, uh, pretty significant, you know, he, he felt the bottom line, you know, within four to six hours, there'd be much scattered blackouts and brownouts in 12, uh, 12 to 24 hours. Uh, most portions of the United States of Canada would be, would be out with rare service pockets, maybe near hydroelectric sources, you know, also not barring any places there, solar power or wind power. 
So, so when it all goes down, we're basically going to, you're, you're going to, unless you have somebody who can maintain those systems, keep them running at least for a little while, we're going to lose our, our power fast, you know, very fast. Now, now um, one of the things about this that you mentioned all these power sources, um, uh, I don't know about natural gas and its, a, its ability to be stable, but um, despite the fact it's incredibly toxic, the fuel for your nuclear power plant is going to be good for just sitting around. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good for centuries. Coal, just sitting around in a big pile uh, or in a big bin, is going to be good, I don't know, forever. forever. Um, you know, gas under pressure in tanks. I'm not sure, but I'm betting that it's not going to degrade. But we have learned that gasoline will degrade, which was very depressing from a post-apocalyptic fantasy point of view. Well, and, and part of the reason is, is because it's not just pure gasoline. A lot of it's a lot of the other because it's pro it's processed. And now that it, I was trying to read up on it, and nobody really had a definitive answer. Like, here's the expiration date, like a Twinkie. You know, there was no because a lot of it depends on how it's stored, where it's stored. It is, you know, because um, a lot of it is, is that the, a lot of the components of it will break down and then break down, the, you know, because like, it's it's been processed and there's additives. Those additives will start to break down. Yeah. Now, the, and, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve of the United States government is unrefined petroleum, correct? I believe so, because that's yeah. the only way you could really store it long-term because if you, because once you process it, it'll start to break down. You know, it can I mean, I've been reading things, people saying like, oh, I've had gas sitting in here for a couple of years and it still kind of started and worked. Again, depends on the kind of, also uh, the, you know, again, it's going to break down. It's not going to, it's going to lose octane. It's going to create materials that could create sludge, you know, into engines. Uh, also, a lot of newer fuels now have a lot of ethanol in them now. Yeah. And ethanol absorbs moisture. Moisture causes problems in engines. Like if you have it sitting in your fuel tank, you'll get oxidation, and that's a, that's a big problem. Huh. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't considered that about ethanol. Uh, you know, the classic Twilight Two Thousand. You know, run your run your your Humvee on an ethanol uh, thing. I never considered the idea that that could um, sit ethanol sitting around could could attract. Could, there could be a water problem, and that's going to fuck with your engine. Oh, yeah, but they're using their stuff constantly, so you don't really have to yeah. worry about that. But sitting on huge tanks of it, because also they said, you know, it all depends on how you store the gasoline, too. If it's open-air type containers, you're, it's mm -hmm. not going to last as long as, like, saying being in a sealed system. You know, like airtight, the less air, the better, you know, before it breaks down. So, again, I've seen anybody say it could last for six months to a couple of years before it breaks down. Again, processed gasoline, not raw petroleum. Yeah. Um. So the question now becomes, all right, we're, we're out of uh, – uh, uh, we know how fast the power is going to go away uh, when we start running out of people, when we start running out of order. Whatever your post-apocalyptic, you know, scenario is, uh, the big thing is you start running out of, you know, people. Um, that seems to be key to any, any apocalyptic scenario. Right. Yeah, that, that that's 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 like one of the main ingredients is losing people. You know. Yeah, vast uh, portions of the population disappear, taking their skills and their specialized abilities with them. All right, so uh, now you're down to this. Now you're trying to get things back online. Now you're 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 like, okay, how are we going to get power back online? How are we going to have power again? 
and um, from the scraps that are left over there in, in civilization. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, there's going to be the portable generator running off of regular gasoline. That's going to have some utility for a couple of years. But it, it really struck me um, that, you know, when it comes to storing energy, when it comes to creating an energy source that can just sit there and you can store it and have it, um, it really struck me that things like coal and wood, well, wood has a problem with animal degradation with insects, but, you know, holy cow, um, coal just sits there forever. If you're looking to warm your cabin or cook your food or your coal-fired stove or your coal gas run engine, I guess you could do coal gas like you do wood gas for engines? Uh, apparently, uh <laughs> Django agrees. Yeah, but, well, uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 I've, tr I've tried running things around here using cat power, and so far that has that has failed in every way that it could possibly fail. There's well, cat cats cats aren't power. Cats have the power. Yeah, well, there's that. There's, there's that. that too. Well, yeah, the thing is, yeah, you know, you could use your coal and your wood and everything on small, very small scale. Like, okay, maybe you could, you know. Make a small, you know, coal, you know, coal plant, maybe just for your little couple of houses, or to you know, coal to produce steam, you know, yeah. steam power, you know. But on a large scale, to to you know, populate a whole you know sector, you know, those days, you know, until we have high technology again, because that's a problem. The thing, the thing with all this, you know, is you know, um, you might have a lot of petroleum. You got to be able to process it, and the process you need power on top of that. So. You need, you need you need gas or some other fuel to process petroleum to make more fuel. You also need you know you know to create nuclear material for you know uh, maintaining hydroelectric plants. So a lot of these things will eventually fail and break. And the thing is, with the advent of losing power and people, you don't have the high you don't have the technology anymore or, the, you or know, just the or just the human logistics you've got to you know, well, the manufacture you, you'll lose manufacturing because you need manufacturing to produce things you need to keep things like hey we need to rewire the whole area with power well you're well you're going to be able to maybe scavenge some old power lines but you can't necessarily create new power lines you can't necessarily create new parts for your hydroelectric system you know you can't necessarily create new copper wire you can't necessarily create you know that's well, the thing is it's, the, it's, idea of, yeah. uh, the idea of centralized power that would uh, power multiple communities in a in a uh, post-apocalyptic environment just seems uh, seems impractical for a number of reasons. Uh, nobody wants their power plant to be way over there where they can't, you know, interact with it for security reasons, at the very least. But um, uh, you know, I think about you look at the way power is distributed in uh, certain third world countries. You go to like a city like Lagos or a city like, um, oh shoot, uh, I'm suddenly forgetting the name, Rangoon. All right. Um, sure, there's a central city power system, but it's unreliable, and it's it, uh, and not everyone is sure they're going to get power. There's whole neighborhoods that are blacked out, not just for economic reasons, but also sometimes for political reasons, where various groups or neighborhoods are, are are beating on each other by, you know, using the city's logistics to undermine each other, and um, 
Well, maybe, know, maybe, you, maybe somebody's community start to develop around where the power sources are so they can protect their power sources, you know, yeah. because, because we haven't even talked about solar or wind. Yeah. But what I'm imagining, speaking of solar and wind, um, is that, uh, uh, you know, that power is going to be a matter of extremely dispersed generation um, because you're going to have such small, you know, post-apocalypse scenarios are all about small groups of people working together uh, to try and recover some civilization. But the, the, the big trip up is that it's small groups of people. And um, uh, you, because of that, you don't have a wide enough skill set to develop the, to, 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 to develop the, the technology you need to generate the power to, to have somebody who then will know how to machine parts or whatever, and you'd have to have the logistics to actually find the gear to machine the part. So I'm thinking that um, uh, in, in third world cities, uh, like I said, like Lagos, everybody's got their home generator. Everybody's got their own generator, businesses, restaurants, uh, in order, if you're offering services to the public, you've got your own generator up back running. And it's one of the reasons that air pollution is a huge deal in these cities because, you know, everybody's blowing smoke out of a, out the back of a Jenny. What I'm thinking about for post-apocalypse is, is that, you know, um, once somebody figures out that, you know, the, the way to build a, a windmill, a wind power generator, you know, with a turbine in it, a small turbine that, you get those battery. You get those magnets moving around uh, until they generate, you know, uh, uh, an electrical charge. Um, it's all going to be very dispersed, you know. Like every every house, every community would have a couple of these things hooked up, and then I guess what hooked up to marine batteries. Is there something about marine batteries carry a bigger charge or have a longer life than your standard automobile battery? Yeah, but then the batteries die. And the thing is with, um, with no, that's, that, that's a good point is that batteries absolutely are going to crap out in just a couple of years. And they're going to be at the point where they're not useful anymore. You yeah. know, cause look at, look at Florida, for example, car battery. Yeah. got at least we're down where I am. Your batteries two to three years is the average for your batteries is dead and won't hold the charge anymore because yeah. of the heat, the heat. And eventually it just destroys the battery. So, and also extreme cold, will kill your battery as well. So eventually they will lose the ability to even hold the charge if you can get them charged. Because if you took, um, if we're talking small scale here with power, is I know enough to where I could probably, and maybe get some books at a library, I could cobble together maybe a, a windmill for a power source. Like, you know, I could, you know, put together a windmill, get those gears uh, and pulleys and shafts going down to, um, you need you need some kind of alternator because an alternator is going to because you're alternating your cars what charges your it charges your battery and runs your power system. So basically, you know, you could get a bank of alter ripped out a bank of alternators from cars to generate your power. You know, uh, so you don't have to necessarily build it from scratch. So now we got all our little our, our alternators lined up running off the windmill and they're putting out power. You know, but then there's there's a next step. Okay, that's where I would get lost is the electrical component of it. It's like okay, how do we safely wire? You know, yeah. power to these. You know, you got you'd have to have some. You'd have to go into some kind of, uh, you know, like your uh, fuse box type thing. You'd have to have it go into some kind of switch system, like all that goes into there to regulate it, because to power it, because otherwise it's raw power. So then that has to be regulated, and then that could go out to where you could hook up. You know, you know, 
a light system to maybe generate power during the day, or you could recharge batteries and keep on using batteries. That is something that could definitely happen in the short term. If you could just get somebody who knows even a little bit about electricity, power, you get some kind of handyman, they could probably cobble something like that together. I could do probably most of that system, but not all of it. I would need some help with it. But I know enough to where I could get it started and maybe find out the rest. So electricians, you know, could be a key person, people to – Make sure to stay alive, you know. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll be sure to. I'll be sure to uh, uh, keep close contact. My friend Scott Jordan, who put in some, uh, did some wiring in my work in my house a while back. We're having a small scale move apocalypse with a rehab apocalypse going on in this house at the moment. Um, but anyways, uh, what I was going to say is that that um, I can think of about five hundred different ways you can burn your house down. Oh yeah, not, yeah. By not understanding how the wiring. Um, the uh, the other way I would I would point solar and uh, wind uh, seem like really nice dispersed ways to deal with power generation intermittent power generation uh, you're definitely at the mercy of the elements uh, and the vagarities of the weather and the wind in those situations maybe you have both systems up you know. Uh, solar yeah. for when it's a sunny day and when the clouds come in and it's windier maybe uh you 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 turn the uh you hook up the uh the windmill but uh we 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 gotta take into consideration human power oh uh, yeah yeah you could, you could get some slaves and have them like moving big wheels to generate you know yeah there's 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 the guys doing the hand crank on the elevator uh in barter town there's yeah. the, the the kids walking on the gears uh, at the Citadel to move the elevator and the, the, the big gear crank thing at the, in the Citadel in, uh, Fury Road. Um, and there's, uh, Edward G. Robinson, uh, you know, biking, riding the, the exercise cycle in soil and green to keep the batteries in, uh, in, in, uh, Charlton Heston's apartment going where it's not post-apocalypse, but, uh, you know your society is in grave danger when the police uh, are so poor that they have to have a bunch of car batteries in their house and an old man pedaling on a bicycle to keep them in lights. You know, that's not a good sign. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you can definitely do it on a very small scale manual power. Again, you know, having somebody on a bike or a treadmill or something cranking to the power. You can scavenge solar cells. But again, you get your solar cells over, but then you got to run the wiring and you got to hit some kind of junction box to get it hooked up so you can recharge those batteries from the solar. Because basically, solar is just, you know, charging batteries. Yeah, human power has also got another aspect to it, and it, it's going to burn calories. Yeah, You've got to feed them. You need, you need power to get the power. The, You've got to feed them. The lovely thing about solar and uh, wind is. You, there's there's no fuel supply, except the weather, I guess. Um, uh, unlike coal, unlike gas, unlike uh, unlike the wood gas engine we saw on the war machine in, um, or the war machines, I should say, in uh, uh, Planet Earth, was it? Was that where we first saw the wood uh, gas with John Saxon? Was it Planet Earth, or was it, no, I think it was the... Uh... It's, it's either Brave New World or Planet Earth. I think it's Planet Earth because Brave New World is the 
is the second one. Is the is the one with the space station and the shuttlecraft and that kind of crap. Yeah, I think I think it was like Earth Two or something. The one where it's like the second one with John Saxon with uh, like, okay, here was the first one. Like, no, no, no. Now he's traveling around and it basically and it has you know Lurch in it. You know the you know as an Indian Ted, Ted Cassidy, yeah, Ted yeah. Cassidy, and they run into the like the freaking the orcs and the 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 the, the Kriegs. Let's not hey, they're called Kriegs. They look like orcs. <laughs> they do look like orcs. Well, actually, with the hey, it's Gene Roddenberry. And you'll notice something with that line of bumps down the middle of their head and the brown ridges. They're clear. Yeah, those fuckers are clearly proto Klingons. Oh yeah. So. Um, Anyways, but they were the, that was the first time I saw a wood gas engine done in fiction. So yeah. sure, that's all great, but uh, wood gas requires that there's freaking trees, and yep. coal requires it's a seam of coal nearby, whereas wind requires that you're outside. I mean, you know, it just requires that there's wind, that there's weather. Um, where do we not have wind? Yeah. Well, and what would be a good thing, too, if, again, but this is a major industrial thing, is, you know, you got, like, up north, you have it on the desert, you know, up, up in Washington, those f giant farms of, the, you know, these massive windmills. So yeah. they're turning, generating power, and then they all, all that power, all the stuff they're generating goes to some kind of centralized power grid out somewhere. So it's like if you could find out where the power is coming from those windmills and then going out, out into the system, if you could tap into where that, where that's coming out of, then you might be okay. You can charge your batteries, run your stuff. But again, well, you're, you're, you're fine until those, those uh, windmills blow apart. Yeah. Oh, yeah, eventually. And, yeah. And, the, and the big thing to remember about that is all the lubricant. All the all the bearings and all the lubricant that keeps those giant props going, whichever kind of prop you've got. Um, well, yeah, they'll they'll eventually go, but those things have are got to be designed to go long term, a long time without maintenance because those things are so massive, and to have to maintain and change gear, stuff like that would t it's a huge undertaking. So I'm sure they're engineered very well to where they they're, go a long time. They're probably designed to go months, but months is still. Yeah, the, tick of the clock in our in our post-apocalyptic post-apocalyptic breakdown. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to research that. I want to find out how long one of those one of those wind turbines could go without any maintenance. You know, because you know they might be able, they might go a long time. You know, before before they just totally fall apart. You know, I'm thinking of the kind of windmills, the size of windmills that you'd see on a farm for running. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking if you're near those big windmills, maybe you can somehow tap into that because they're putting out power. So if you could tap into that in the meantime, maybe you could use that power to do other things to help get yourself built. Because now you have some power to run machinery and tools to maybe build those other long-term things, you know? Yeah. Um, the uh, One of the bits they did in Jericho, uh, the TV series, was there's a whole bit involving the creation of windmills. That one of the local towns uh, had this thing where they had a factory and they could make the, the generators and the alternators uh, for windmills to generate power. And, uh, you know, they were sort of exporting them around to the other towns, and it was you know, sort of this turning point as far as the town being able to do anything except sit around in the dark, you know. And, you know, once, once power is gone, um, one of the things that I want to point out is that it's where I'm sitting here at 7 o'clock at night in the northwest in the winter, it's been black out since 
5 o'clock out here. It is absolutely blackout. Once your power is gone, your culture changes. You go back to that that culture where you're up at first light and you're you're in you're down when there's no light. And if you had any fantasies about reading anything other than a technical manual while trying to figure out how to wire a junction box based on something you found at the old library, thank God they didn't put all the books in the library on digital format. Because if that's the case, we really are going to go right back to Lord of the Flies in one generation. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh absolutely. And also, um, that's when also other skills will come back, you know, like, you know, people are going to have, you know, you might get the, the central housing where you're making people like a fireplace or, you know, like everybody gathered in the common room with, because the, there was light from the fire or people yeah. might, people might, might start learning how to, you know, people are going to do a lot of scavenging for candles so you can see around at night and or learn, or learn how to render fat so they can make those candles. Well, that was one of the things that I remember from uh, the colony is there's two colony episodes that involved fuel and energy that, that stuck out to me. One was the guy who built the, tried to build the wood gas generator, right? Yep. And the other one was the guys who they found these rotten hog carcasses or something. And it was like, oh, these are useless. And somebody realized, you know, if we render the fat out of these, we can burn it, that it is fuel, that, this, uh, that the lard uh, could become oil and we can use it i think like i think they rented it like diesel i think uh, they could almost run it a diesel engine like what are these things made out of fry cook the the, the the fry the recycled fry oil where your car smells like a bistro or italian mm. restaurant mm. but well, um, well that's that goes back to you know diesel engines and you know uh one of our uh, listeners you know pointed out and i mean i we, we I, I i didn't mention that uh daniel puckett we met him at gen con and he's right you know that's because we've talked again. We talked about that with we talked about it when we came to transportation. Is like, well, what kind of vehicle do you want? Well, you want a diesel diesel run engine because that could run on a multiple of fuels. You know, so yeah. you're going to have you know if you're going to get a Jenny from the Home Depot, you want to get a diesel powered one because again, it could run on you know the cooking oil from a restaurant. You yeah. know, stuff like that. But again, long term, you know, and you can maybe rent your own fat. Again, all this takes resources and chains of command, but you know. Uh, you know, different chains of resources, you know, to raise the animals, to render the fat, to make the fat, to, you know, make the fuel, to run the diesel engine, to have the power to do other things, to run the tools. It's, it's all, it's all tied in, but like, again, you know, di you know, diesel is a good uh, resource for, you know, at least for engine power to run things at least for a while. Cause you could use multiple, you know, types of fuel for that. Um, but again, we also have to consider things like when we say wind power, uh, congratulations! You have now re-entered the age of sail, where yep. there is there is very little as a, there's very few things as efficient power-wise than a sailing ship for moving people and cargo. Yep. Um, it, they're they're super duper efficient, um, uh, and their technology level you know their technology level that you know how do I put this? Um, uh, in some ways, you know, we always, you know, one of the things that always comes up in post-apocalyptic uh, fiction is the idea of a giant leap backwards. Suddenly we don't know how to do anything anymore. We lose all these skill sets. Um, I've always been a little dubious about that myself, depending on what the state of our books are 
and what instead the population is. But the idea that, you know, we're not going to go back in time so that the only vehicle, sea vehicle we know how to make is a hollowed out log. I mean, maybe I could just make a hollowed out log, but as a society, you know, there's all this, uh, we per, we per fuck infected the sailing ship before we moved on to, and we've since continued to in various ways, uh, uh, perfected the technology of sailing, um, even into the age of coal. But, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a massive skill set to, be able to put a freaking the, the Nina the Pinta and the Santa Maria together from scratch. You got to have the manpower and the skills to do it. I was going to say Mayflower, but yes, you have, a, you have a huge industrial base, a huge pile of people, and there's not much. And shipwrights are super skilled personnel. Um, they they earned something like a middle class living in the Renaissance, the Age of Discovery. You know, they're not. They weren't just Joe Peasant, right? Um, they really had a, 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 a much different skill set and a very specialized skill set. And, you know, to build on that scale, sure, we build small sailing yachts and things like that today. But to build something, like you said, Nina or Mayflower sized, uh, that's a whole new. That's well, yeah, yeah, but even, sm even small ships, you know. So, I mean, in the beginning, <clears throat> trust me, at least in South Florida, I mean, there's a lot of motorboats, but there's a lot of freaking sailboats down around here too. So there'll be a supply of small sailboats, but again, guess what? You got to learn how to sail a boat. Yeah, there's also the problem of uh, it's a specialized skill to to interact with it. Not like the skill to interact with a car, where you just stick your key in and or stick your key into the uh, motorboat or whatever. Um, I should also throw out that our other, you know. I guess sailing is more like maybe that's more in a, a transportation subject, and maybe animals. Well, but, but but still, you need you're going to need to be able to get around, and you know how do you get around on foot? Well, if you want to get around, you need power. It still kind of all kind of falls together. It's like, well, how how do you power your vehicles? It's like, well, wind would power your ships, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're moving something big, it's probably going to be animals. And if you're moving something small, it's it, it, like you, it's going to be bikes. We've already had that discussion where the bicycle and its ball bearings there in the gearbox become the most viable thing in the world because, you know, uh, all you need to do is get on it and start pumping the pedals. You know, yep. if, even if here's my question that we've never answered, we never, you know, we're, we never seem to get answer this question is, do we know what happens with solid rubber tires on a bike? Oh, it's like having solid. Uh, I mean, are there solid rubber tires? Oh yeah. What happens to the bike? Do you end up? Do you end up banging the spokes up because there's well, no gear well, yeah. in the tires? Yeah, there's no. Uh, it's like it, it's like if you had solid rubber tires on a car, there there is no. You lose a lot of suspension because part of the suspension and the ride that you have on your vehicle on your vehicle like a car is because of the air filled tires. So it gives a, it gives. Same thing with a bike, you know, on a much smaller scale. So it would be a rough ride, and it would probably rack, your, rack the crap out of your uh, balls, you yeah. know, uh, with a solid rubber tire. If, you know, you could get, you could get a solid rubber tire. I, I somehow I somehow wonder if there was, a, if I remember whether there was solid rubber tires or, or, or tires made out of the other materials in early early forms of that technology. I mean, I'm thinking of like, you know, wagon wheels, which are iron with 
you know, wood spokes or whatever. Well, and some and some of the earliest bikes were just these, basically like a like a like a platform with two things coming down in solid, you know, like wood wheels that you just kind of sat on and kind of kicked, you know, like you were, uh, <laughs> and you, it moved you along faster. It didn't really have a whole gear system, you know. Yeah, so like, like it looks like a pinwheel, <laughs> except it's made out of solid wood. It's like, you know, basically it's like a, you know, platform, two wheels coming down, and you didn't pedal. You just basically pushed your feet along it, but it kind of moved you along quicker because, yeah, it's basically, you know, on your bike when you push along with your feet. You know, but, you know, that's something that could be made or even if you didn't have, uh, you know, the gears broke, you just ride on the rims, you know, I don't know, maybe you find some fix a flat and fill your bike tires up with fix a flat. So at least it's got some kind of a, some kind of squish in the tires, you know. Well, the um, uh, that's more getting into transportation, I guess. When I think, uh, But but still, you know, animals, you know, instead of uh, animals can certainly be used as power for turning things like a pump, you know. Um, or a grain mill, or grain oh yeah, exactly. well, grain mill, yeah. Well, those things could because, like, grain mills are you know if you're by a by a that's where those you know um, water wheels, water wheels. Thank you. I was like, I couldn't I think of the frick, it's so I couldn't think of the fucking word. Uh, basically, instead, you know, you had the water wheel, which could turn the gears to do the grain, but you'd also use that to maybe generate power too, because again, it's something that's constantly turning at magnets. It could run. You know, well, yeah, it's it's your miniature hydroelectric. I mean, right there, it's a hydro. Where uh, it's just a question of a gearbox turning different things. And in a and in a standard, you know, the water wheel we think in the country village, it is absolutely about grinding grain, and that's it. Or, or it can also could be used to uh, maybe you could get some gears. You could use it to uh, pump a bellows to keep the flames going on the freaking hard hearth where maybe you maybe if you're lucky somebody could be a blacksmith you know so that's like keeping it keeping it flame yeah that's uh th yeah okay uh there's any number of mechanical energies that can be you know can be captured uh from a water wheel um or you could just have, like or you said you could just have your cows walking in a circle or people pushing like conan pushing the thing around in a circle <laughs> to, you know the uh, when they were designing that, uh, there was apparently something in the in the, one of the documentaries where they asked the question: "Look, does this thing have a function, or is it just is it just a big mean thing for children? Is it just there to be mean to children?" Yes. And they, I think that was all I ever figured out because if it's a grain wheel, it's like up in the hills. I mean, I'm looking at where it's located, right? And it's just mountains around it. I'm like. Where are the fields that this grain is coming from? It just looks like it's there to be shitty to Conan. This wheel, ex the wheel of pain, exists only to make more Conans. That's oh yeah, well it's, it's build up their strength. You know, get them strong so they can fight in the pit and die for you. Yeah, yeah, it's just there for you. You leave your six-year-old attached to the wheel of pain for fifth, for ten years until they're sixteen years older, and then you you throw them in the pit to the pit fighters. That's how that works. Exactly. That makes so, perfect sense. Thank, thank you, uh, John Milius, for sorting that out for us. So, yeah, so, yeah, like I said, the mini water wheels, even mini windmills. Look at Holland with the windmills to turn to turn the grain, or you could use, like, the small windmills, you know, like you find in farms to you know, generate, generate power. So, Got to remember, they're big for water pumps, too. I mean, one of the yeah. big things about uh, windmills oh, yeah. is, is, is uh, uh, drawing water up out of wells for irrigation. That's one of the most important ways that they're used on farms, primarily. Um, when we think of farms in the American Midwest, uh, and uh, that's what those windmills are for, is for running the pumps so you're not burning your calories doing that. And I guess it's one of those things where you just engage it. It's just turning in the wind, and when you want to draw some water, then you just attach the belt or whatever 
uh, or engage the actual gears and then it'll it'll turn and it'll draw that water up whenever you want. Um, the trick is, of course, storing energy, right, Jared? Yeah. I mean, uh, food is stored energy for us, right? You've, you've developed things that hopefully won't rot right away, you know, um, and uh, that's what a huge thing in the apocalypse is making sure that our energy doesn't, you know, you spend all that time making it and now it's going to rot on a shelf because you can't uh, uh, use it right away. Um, that's one of the big things about your post-apocalyptic energy is trying to find a way, okay, you've generated it, i.e. you've pulled coal out of the ground or you tapped a, a methane source, you've got your pig shit, you know, uh, for your methane. A la this, 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 this is bullshit. No, pig shit. Pig shit. Pig shit. Uh, how do you store it? Well, pressurized cylinders are awesome for the gas. Uh, coal can be just... Well, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, pressurized cylinders, but, you know, that takes a level of complexity to get it pressurized back into containers. Like, yes, it does. Well, like, you could refuel propane tanks yeah, you know, you know how to do that? Yeah, with machinery. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, forcing that gas in. And I don't think the pressures developed, you know, using the pump from the windmill are going to be quiet enough to get the, 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 the PSI into that tank you were hoping for. Oh, yeah, um, that, that's one thing we didn't talk about, propane tanks. You know, it's like scavenge the land for propane tanks because you could use that fuel for at least a little while until that all runs out. Yeah, you know? uh, I don't think it's going to – I don't think propane's going to fall apart like – uh, like um, gasoline does. Yeah. Uh, coal and wood sound like some of the easiest ones to store because you just put it right there and there it is, you know, in a bin so, or whatever. So, so we got to so we got to raid the Kmart for as much uh, charcoal briquettes as we can. No, not charcoal briquettes. <laughs> no, no, actual coal. Of course, the thing about coal and about charcoal. Um, do you remember the? Uh, I want to say in the early 2000s there was a there was a raft of uh, suicides in Japan where people would tape up their apartment and then buy uh, a Weber grill and some charcoal and burn it in their apartment and asphyxiate themselves from the carbon monoxide. Uh, did, you, did you catch any of that ever? No, no, I don't recall. I, I, I want to say that one of those Jap that they eventually turned into some Japanese horror film uh, as opposed to the horror film generating the suicides. But, um, uh, yeah, there was this, it was in one of those news stories that showed up because it was ghastly. Uh, but um, when dealing with things like charcoal uh, or uh, coal... Emi emissions? Yeah. I can, you know, there's any number of ways that people could wipe themselves out oh, we, trying, to, you know, trying to stay warm. Even, ju even just wood. Yeah. You know, that's, that's smoke inhalation kill you. But uh, smoke inhalation you kind of see coming. Problem with carbon monoxide is that it's odorless. You know, it, you don't smell it. Uh, you just get stupid and giggly, and then you know you die. Um, it's it, it's uh, it's far more insidious than than the coal smoke that you know all that carbon in the air that 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 uh, 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 makes you gag and makes your your body rebel against it and try and seek you know. Uh, cleaner, fresher uh, air. Um, what I was going to say is that uh, you know when you think about these 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 some of these energy generation things, um, particularly wind and solar, um, that's generating the power. But there's no place to you know one of the big things is storing it. That that, that always strikes me as is really sort of a fascinating problem. Where do you keep the energy once you've made it? You've we've talked about how the batteries crap out 
after so many years. Um, so either you have current or you don't. You know, you could have a situation where maybe your windmill is turning, and the power. As long as the windmill is turning, oh, we can do something with power now. It's like, but you can't store it. So like, if the wind picks up and the power is turning on the generator, does that mean okay, quick, it's time to turn the radio on and see if there's something yeah. new from the Voice of America tonight? If the, if the, you know, because yeah, you're, you're going to be able to scavenge batteries, and but eventually they will die. You know, could, you know, it might it's going to take a few years, a uh, number of years that they or they might last. You might have them five, ten years, depending on how you spread them out. But eventually they will go. But you will, you know, you'll be able to recharge them. But even with newer technology, hey, you know what? If you could find a way to, uh, you know, tear apart your uh, Prius and uh, get those lithium battery cells out there, they're supposed to hold a good charge and last a while. You might want to. You know, get those. Try to get those charged up, and they'll last a while. But again, you're relying on storing on bat. Like, like you get your windmill up, you charge a lot of your batteries. But then it's like, how do you run things off the batteries? Because well, then you have, then you have to worry about getting the battery power out to whatever you're going to run, whether it's your power tools or your equipment or your radio. Because it's got you can't just you know hook up your junker cables to the back of your radio. You know. You know what we failed? We actually failed tonight because I really should have gotten uh, tried to get my friend Scott Jordan on here um, because he was, t you know, he, this guy's an electrician and he was actually, when he was wiring up the house, he was explaining a number of, of sort of horrifying uh, things about uh, wiring uh, about, you know, the resistance uh, of various metals and about how much energy you lose from the point of contact to where it actually needs to be used because of the resistance of the materials involved. And there's all kinds of ways to minimize and maximize uh, your resistance, you know, less resistance being better for transmission of energy. Um, and how much of that could be blown away Like, oh, well, I've got my batteries all set up and that's all great, but uh, I've used the wrong kind of metals or the, the metal is damaged in some way. Uh, I've built this resistance somewhere in the system and it, it comes to nothing. Um, again, you could do all these things and maybe have them be a power source to run a generator or something, but, uh, well, oh, well, cause yeah, maybe you could, you know, hook up, you know, charge the batteries in your charge in your electric car and your electric car could start and you could have that run and power things. But again, you need to have somebody who has that knowledge because yeah. electricity is not something, even if you have a rudimentary understanding of how power works, you know, ACDC, to have to read that, try to figure that, learn that in manuals, that could be a deadly prospect. So, yeah. Well, I want to point out that when it comes to old-fashioned car batteries, as opposed to the batteries you'd find in your Prius, uh, just just your standard car battery. Um, I worked for my dad for when I was in high school, and he owned a uh, auto supply place. And uh, one of the things that uh, a warehouse, one of the things that he would always do is he'd try and salvage batteries that had gone that had come back as failures and we would uh, hook them up to this charging stuff uh we would test the batteries and one of the things that would happen uh, every once in a while is because what you got in your batteries you've got a piece of lead yep. dropped into a bath of a weak yeah. solution of hydrochloric acid but it's hydrochloric acid and when you're uh running these batteries or charging these batteries sometimes those hydrogen atoms detach from the acid and build up like hydrogen gas inside the uh, battery itself. And if you have a spark while you're dealing with all these connections with one battery to another battery, you can have a hydrogen explosion, you know, which will blow the, the, the batteries apart 
and splash hydrochloric acid all over the place. Now, it's a weak solution, but you don't want it in your eyeballs when there's no such thing as going to the emergency room after the apocalypse. There's all kinds of ways that this can go horribly, horribly south on you. And even older batteries, like not mod, not net newer batteries, but like I remember even back when I had my first car in 87, um, car batteries, you still had to like, you know, check, you know, put water in them because the water yeah. run, water would run low in batteries too. Yeah. Now, I think more modern batteries don't necessarily have that because I don't have to, ch- you know, check water in the battery anymore. But, you know, you know, older batteries used to do that. So it depends yeah. on what you, what you find. Um, that's, what I mean, I was, that's what I was familiar with. We had to check the water levels in the batteries and check yeah. the the solution, the, uh, the, 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 how much, uh, how much it was water and how much it was hydrochloric acid, um, you know, uh, to make sure that the solution was strong enough to interact with the lead plates. And you, and you can make your own batteries too. I mean, well, look at, you know, have they found evidence that the ancient Egyptians had a rudimentary battery? Well, they used it for electroplating. Um, yeah. apparently they had a, a system with this acid and this lead, and they could generate some sort of current. Very, very low current. Which would, um, which would, when you had a base metal, you could, it somehow, and I'm, I don't know how this works, would attract, you know, the gold to the object and fuse it to the, you know, I don't know, I don't, and so you'd end up with a, you, you could have electroplating of gold or a thin layer of gold on something without having to dip it you know, in molten gold. Um, and I don't know which culture that was, whether it was the Egyptians or whether that's Mesopotamia. But, you know, yes, they did have that option and they did find a use for it, even if it wasn't, uh, even if it wasn't, there wasn't an incandescent light bulb. And let me just say this, whenever we talk about power and what we're going to use it for, I keep thinking about, you know how long these light bulbs are going to last? <laughs> I mean, well, that that's that's it as well. You know, when I was in uh, Menlo Park in New Jersey in Edison's workshop as a kid, one of the things they showed off were these light bulbs that Edison had made in the 1910s or something that were still working. Were the filament, and I want to say the filament was like camel hair or something was what he had used to weave the filament. It was a woven filament. Um, and it was still incandescent after, you know, 90 years or whatever. But this is inside, you know, a well-preserved state park museum, uh, obviously. Um, the rest of us aren't going to be that lucky. Oh, but also things nowadays are meant are designed to fail in the short term, so you have to buy new ones. Yeah. They don't, you know, they're not making things for, you know, the last, the long term either. So my point with those ancient batteries was like, you know, maybe it gets, again, figure out somehow to make a rudimentary battery, your own batteries. It, it worked to, for Walter White. To, uh, to charge, you know, for the power source to have your battery. You know, it's. They jumped the RV one time on, uh, on uh, they jumped the RV one time on uh, Breaking Bad with a, with a make it yourself battery using, I want to say like a, a plastic tub uh, filled with uh, acid, the right solution of acid. I, I can't remember how, how that quite did it, but um, yeah, no, it's not impossible. It's high school. It's high school chemistry, but none of us paid attention to high yep. school chemistry yep. when it was happening. So like I said a lot of the key of it, it is, like I said, is having somebody with the knowledge to put these things together that we, we talked about. So basically it's going to be, we're going to be, you know, 
getting axes from the Home Depot, chopping some wood, and me make fire. That's about, yeah. about the extent. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, that's my yeah. My skill set is I think I can carry things. Um, I can I can move. I, I can shovel. I have a shovel. Does that count? Um, it does. Now uh, I want to point out that <laughs> part of this uh, is going to involve uh, the other aspect of of skilled technicians. Uh, for maintaining our power, and that is we have to have some actual power to keep them in line. Um, there's a story about how, all right, uh, Hephaestus, the Greek god of blast, blacksmiths and, you know, uh, Vulcan, he's called in, in, in Roman mythology, is lame. He's got a limp, and supposedly that's related to the ancient practice of hobbling your blacksmith. If you're a village and you need a blacksmith, you break his ankles <laughs> because you don't want him leaving. So he's permanently, he's a cripple from then on out. You know, your skilled individuals aren't allowed to get up and go to another village with a better deal. Um, you, so you hobble them so they can't leave. Um, at least that's how I've heard the story. And I can certainly see that stuff happening after the apocalypse where, oh, Dr. Smith is a, you know, trained, uh, a trained doctor, you know, I'm just passing through. No, you're not. <laughs> you know, the guy who shows up to, uh, oh, I'm just happy to be an electrical engineer. Oh, that's very interesting. Would you like to come over here and step into these shackles? Cause yeah, that, that's convenient because you're not leaving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we 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 talked about that. But we talked about when we talked about medicine. That yes, I could uh, I could treat this. And like, oh, that's great. Guess what? You're going to work for us now. We'll keep yeah. you fed. We're going to keep you fed and protected, but you're not going anywhere. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of that with any kind of skill set. I mean, it's it's kind of frightening, you know. Um, uh, the the because again, you're you're down to a world that is the Middle Ages, uh, and uh, as far as social organization, and it's going to be a lot of. You know, it's going to be a lot of might makes right. And some of that's going to be a mean dude and his friends being a mean dude and his friends being mighty. And some of that's going to be, you know, obviously, if you get enough people together, uh, you can sort of counteract or counterforce the the sort of, you know, thugocracy that you get where it's just like, I've got some guns. And I'm in charge now. Well, that's all well and good until guy with guns has to go to sleep sometime, you know? Um, but, uh, again, it still comes down to, uh, people with skill sets, um, are going to be the most valuable thing out there. It's not, Oh, look, we have a, a tank or, a we have a, the last of the V8 interceptors, or we have, uh, uh we have control over this, uh, this hydroelectric station. It's going to be all about the people people are going to be so much more valuable, which is why if we ever get around, do we do a show on slavery? Uh, no. No. We should really consider that as another option because slavery is one of those horrible things that, that, that is, that is key uh, to so many civilizations uh, in the past. I mean, almost every civilization from Rome, the Vikings, Mongols, um, you know, all across uh, the, the all across Africa, the Sontai uh, Empire, uh, the Aztecs, you know, American Indians, right? So many of these guys, their economies ran on slave labor. And sure, you could get a guy to lift a rock, but the slaves you really want are people with skills. You know, especially if you can get them to teach your guys, you know, how to do it too. Um, 
Rome was huge on getting uh, Greek slaves who were educated because they would import the skills that way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because again, skills would be key. Again, especially with the power. And the other thing I, 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 I didn't mention with power was we talked about sales. I guess if you live in a, in a place that's windy enough and flat enough, you can maybe uh, get some wagons and maybe put some sails on them to power them to move them. You know? I, I, keep, I keep hearing there's a rumor about the prairie schooner. That is the attempt to put sails on a Conestoga wagon and push it across, you know, Kansas or the Great Plains or something. I, I think that is a myth. Um, I don't know that I've ever really seen anything to suggest that, that was, there was any kind of practicality to that. But if we're going to do some fictional post-apocalypsing, you better bet that shit's going to happen. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, it, it works easiest in on water because it's flat generally, and it could easily move through. But when you got through land, you get too much resistance. Yeah. You know, uh, so oh. that that that's what the problem is. So it takes more power than you're going to get from the wind cell to freaking move it. You know, well, one place it could work, depending on how much of it is left, uh, I would throw out is rail lines, because there's oh, this whole yeah. thing about the efficiency of of, of a uh, you know, it's why you can move with the, one of those little pump cars. You know, uh, you can move that down a rail line with a lot of efficiency uh, is that the rail lines, the rail line provides so much to your energy. You know, it, it, it's a force multiplier for that, for that, those calories you're burning. You hook that up with a sail. Maybe, maybe it's even, maybe it's some more efficiency there. Well, that's why you, that's why you see, you can see these guys who like pull train cars with their teeth because once they get it moving, Again, the, the the power efficiency ratio is so good on that. So, yeah. yeah, maybe you get something with low power, like I said, a hand cart. You know, you can move along the rail lines until the rail lines are blocked or the rail lines are. Well, you that's know, actually an interesting idea that you'd have. You you know get well. And in, in fact, let's because I can never get too far away from fallout. I remember that. Isn't it a hand pumped rail car? Is how you get to the pit. Is through an underground. It's through an underground I, rail line. It's been a long time, but I believe so. Yeah, I when I saw that bit on, uh, all I wanted to do was see more downloadable content, which is all about hand hand truck pumping your way across well, in, America. In Metro twenty thirty three, they get around on the rail. Oh, system. that's right. That's okay. Maybe I'm also thinking about that. Was the, the they have bump. they have gas powered ones, but then they also have like these wooden carts they put together with like somebody either and just pushing to get them around the the stations. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. I, I, I was blanking out, but yes, that's one of my favorite bits from Metro 2033. So again, power—you know, a lot of it, a lot of the power could be you or I could be uh, also generates going to generate a lot of the power. Well, well, it's one of the things that we don't—I don't really have the information in front of me now. I'm wondering about the subject of efficiencies, as you said. You know, yeah. energy efficiencies, um, rail being something that you know it, uh, is hugely. Um, uh, a force multiplier for your efficiencies uh, for energy and power. Um, and water is another one, obviously. You know, it's why we had canal boats. It's why we were moving things with canal boats because it was easier to pull a barge behind a couple of horses on a man made canal than it was to attach that horse to a wagon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You could get a lot more. It's like you're going to get a horse is only going to be able to pull it so much so much capacity of a wagon, whatever size and the weight it could pull and put it on the water and have it drag it probably a hundred times more. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, I was reading some stuff about the uh, Yangtze river uh, boats and there are certain sections of the river that have rapids 
and some of the and when the boats have to go upstream over them, they have these guys who are these very very poor Chinese workers who will take the rope. You'll throw them a rope onto the shore and you know negotiate a price for this gang of guys, and they will pull the boat upstream against the current while you're running your engines at full speed or whatever, and they will pull you upstream over the rapids. And the idea that any number of guys could could pull a you know a huge boat uh, anything from a junk to one of these foreign gunships these uh, gunboats that were in the NXC, that they could pull it up river against the current seems insane but number one there's a ton of them and number two water um water oh, always yeah. makes it easier oh yeah like you have a big like just in the um like i remember years ago like uh the guy, you know, I won't call him my stepfather, but the guy my mom married for a year uh, in the past because <laughs> he was an a-hole. But he had a small boat, like a like a 20, 18, 20-foot 20 boat. Yeah, you put that thing in the water, I could I could push that thing off the dock like no thing. But if you had it on the yeah, you had it on the ground, even on a yeah. even on even on a trailer, boy, you can't move that thing because that thing weighs you know thousands of pounds. But that thousands of pound boat sitting in the water, whoop, I could easily push it out. No one hand, no problem. So when you're thinking about, you know, powers and things, one of the things that, you know, that we definitely need to consider is things like, you know, how do you, how do you magnify the efficiencies of what you're doing with your power? And, uh, you know, little things like that, you know, applying it to water as opposed to land, applying it to rail as opposed to a road. Um, obviously, a road provides its own efficiencies compared to cross-country. Um, yeah, over dirt and ruts. And, hey, the most efficient thing would be to – have a rail along the water pulling your barge, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think you've got the rail down, the barge is out of business um, yeah. right away. Um, you know, and it's sort of, uh, uh, now there's, and there's all kinds of things you can do with low levels of power. One of the things I, I immediately thought of is um, with low levels of power, you could actually separate hydrogen from water. Um, which means you could have a bunch of hydrogen gas. And I'm not suggesting that you burn it, but, you know, all that hydrogen gas is just one step away from a, a balloon or uh, an airship. A hot, a hot air balloon. Yeah, well, a hot air balloon is your first step, but... Um, oh, balloons when there are none about. <laughs> Sorry, what? Uh, Monty Python sketch with the uh, the golden age of balloon, the golden oh, age yes. of ballooning. You go around saying, oh, there are balloons when there are none about. <laughs> yes, uh, the Montgolfier brothers. The Montgolfier brothers. Yeah, brothers. Oh, yeah. All right. So, anyways, um, uh, uh, what else have we got? Um, are, we gonna are we rambling or are we rapping? I think we're rapping. No, no, we're talking. I mean, no, it's just, again, it's the natural flow of conversation. We talk about the different things. Yeah, we didn't think about that hot air balloon. So, hey, you, you might be able to use the hot air balloon to somehow generate power or like that, you know, the hot air is going to power your hot air balloon because your hot air balloon may be, you know, be able to transport thing or do other things with it. Cause you know, um, I don't know. You might be, I, I'm, I'm actually having the, the weird thought of, okay. Okay. This is total steampunk bullshit, but if there's a hydrogen balloon attached to a rail car, does it reduce the weight of the rail car and therefore increase its efficiency moving it? 
Um, you're not allowed to talk about steampunk on the show. I know I'm not. I'm sorry. Sorry, Victorian yeah, that, sci-fi. That, that, seems, that, that, that is a sin, sir. It seems, a, it, seems little, uh, it seems a little Tom Swift, but okay. Uh, am, I, am I wearing brown? Do I have any brass gears anywhere? Sorry, I, was, I just realized I was wearing brown. That must uh, be oh, oh, you're halfway there, sir. Oh, you're, God. They just put in a pair of goggles. You're all set. Sadly, 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 my wife's pair of goggles is downstairs. I would love to be able to just reach over, <laughs> put them on, like it's too late for me. Go watch yourself. But yeah, but well, yeah, well, air power and steam. Well, let's you know we need to steam. You know, if you could build, you know, a pre- you know. Some kind of pressure system to create steam power, you know. So again, somebody who has engineering skills, a skill set to create steam power, you know, to be able to move your cars, move your gears, move your generators. Like, you can't run your generators on gas, but maybe you could create steam power because steam power is just, you know, because that's basically what a nuclear generator is. It's just, it's just, it's yeah. steam. It's steam yeah. power, except yeah. it, except the fuel isn't coal. It's nuclear. It's nuclear and glows in the dark. You know. Well, you know, some of the very first uh, ship engines um, when we were converting from coal to to petroleum, uh, some of the very first uh, ship engines weren't giant diesel engines. What they were was uh, petroleum powered. I mean. You know, for smaller engines, you know, it was like a submarine or something. It's 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 diesel-powered submarines, or in some horrible cases, gasoline-powered submarines, because the gas fumes would get all through the submarine and make everybody crazy, like literally deranged. But big battleships and things, when they started getting rid of coal in World War One uh, and converting over to uh, to petroleum, it wasn't a matter of a giant diesel engine. It was a matter of a bunch of petroleum being used to heat a boiler. So it's still steam. There's still steam turbines making that engine go. Um, uh, despite the fact that you, your, 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 your engine was, uh, was diesel. Well, well, it's just your fuel source. You know, that's like I said, nuclear power is just a, it's just a steam. It's a fucking steam. It's a steam turbine because the nuclear power, you know, same thing with, you know, wood heats the water, which creates the steam, which turns the turbines, and then the turbines turns gear to generate power. Same thing with the nuclear reactor. The nuclear pa- fusion heats the water, creates the steam, turns the turbines. So steam power may be able to come back to, you know, whether it's, you know, run your rail cars or your generators, whatever the case may be. So, ste- you know, again, if you have somebody who has the knowledge to build, to construct those, you might be able to get to get some steam power generators to produce your electricity. What I'd be interested in finding out is what's the smallest steam generator. Because when I think of Robert Fulton's, you know, very first steam powered engines, you know, um, uh, you know, how, and it's one of the problems with steam, particularly coal powered steam is, you know, it requires a huge fuel source. It's not as compact and efficient as, as petroleum or gas or some of these other things. But what's the smallest steam engine you can get? I mean, um, I remember the, the, there was that small steam engine that turns up on Jeremiah, the first pilot episode, where the the local warlord who's camped out in the high school has has uh, got some guys, her nerd squad, which are you know working on getting a steam engine going, and it's not big, but it you know it gets the power on in the building. It was enough to light the building. 
So what's the smallest steam engine we can have that's, 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 uh, that's fueled either by gas or coal? I'm trying to do some quick searching here. I mean, it looks like some of them could be pretty small, you know? What, like the size of a, a, a car trailer or, you know? Oh, yeah. Easily. I'm actually impressed that, there's, that they're that small. Now, you know, again, uh, the, the, there's a difference between scrounging an old uh, uh, steam generator um, and, <laughs> and building one where you need the industrial capacity to be able to smelt metal and rivet. Oh, well, again, that goes to the problem that I talked about earlier is we've lost, we've lost industrialization. So we don't have the, math, the, the production values to produce the, bo the giant boilers, the, the power, the copper, the wiring, all that stuff is well, the, gone. The, the sort of one of the tropes, though, of, of post-apocalyptic literature and post-apocalyptic stories and such is the idea that um, you cannibalize the old world. The old world dies, and you cannibalize the remains of the old world to give you that, that, that leg up over that breach so you don't have to go all the way back down to the Middle Ages, where it's just blacksmith technology, you know, until, until all those things break and wear out, then yeah. then you fall back. Yeah, but well, but you use the stuff from the old world to get you over that gap to create a world where you can, instead of having to just can devolve all the way to the Middle Ages, you use that stuff to build a nineteenth or seventh or eighteenth century world, right? Um, I guess nineteenth is best. You, know, you you build a world where uh, you have 1830s, 1840s, maybe if you're lucky, 1850s technology. But you build that using you build that world using the remains of the old world before the, all that stuff from the old world breaks down, and then you start using your new retro technology, right, to to survive and to build build back up again from that break point. Um, I mean, that's to me sort of one of the tropes of, of, of a lot of post-apocalyptic stories. But, but, but it makes sense. Again, if you have the ability to do, if you have the manpower and the knowledge to, to, uh, to do that, that could happen. Well, when I speak about knowledge, when we were talking about people in the skull sets, the first thing that popped into my mind was Lucifer's hammer. Yeah. When uh, they had the one guy, they had one guy who knew shit. And he got in because he was diabetic. He got sick and died that winter. You know, I remember the line was, "We lost our wizard today." Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was the, he was the one guy who he knew shit. Yeah, and he was the guy who they they had that great choice. Was like, well, you can either work on a long shot for uh, synthesizing insulin, or you can make a bunch of mustard gas. <laughs> and he opted for mustard gas, which. And that other thing that I did not know until I read Lucifer's Hammer was one of the reasons that Western Europe bounced back so quickly agriculturally after World War One is uh, not just because there's a bunch of protein mixed into all those Flanders fields, but apparently mustard gas is also its residue is some sort of is some sort of uh, uh, a, a fertilizer. Huh. So the gas on the there's a there's an element in, in uh, in Lucifer's Hammer, where one of the places that's, that produces the richest crop is the place where they gassed the cannibal army. Huh. I forgot about that. It's, it's, it's been a long time since I read it, so... I okay. To, I may have to reread that. 
All right, I am going to call uh, an end to our podcast because I have to go. I have to go taking off. I cannot. I cannot stick uh, here in the wasteland anymore. The world civilization calls, and not the I know. Cool Sid Meier game. Yeah, we we got to uh, you know leave the wastelands and go back to the real world. But all right, folks, that was our uh, show on power in the apocalypse. So we hope you found it interesting and somewhat informative, you know, it's the best we have our information. Again, like I said, our, our conversation, our discussions and our show are generally just a lot of conversation discussing possibilities, um, real or not real. Uh, so I uh, thank you for joining us every week, folks. Again, remember to visit us on all our websites, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all those good places. Be socially responsible. Follow us. Like the stuff that you like. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Uh, next show will be episode 54. Uh, we don't know what that's going to be yet, as usual. Uh, we, me and Typical. Scott, what? Typical. Typical. But, hey, we always come up with something good. You know, like I, I called Scott during the week. Hey, let's do power this week. So uh, we will come up with something good to entertain you folks. Uh, we're going to, you know, try, try to you know, keep on our two-week track and uh, get another show in this month, you know, at least twice a month. So, again, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us this, this week. Uh, thank you, Scott. Uh, and uh, we'll see you folks in the wastelands. Thank you and good night. Be seeing you. And you. <laughs>